All right, a couple of really exciting things for you. Um, my name's Danny. That's not one of the exciting things. Uh, <coughs> I'm one of the pastors here. Um, first one is to do with our welcome renovation. And to bring that to you, Andrew Pike is here. He's a leader of our finance team. Thanks, Andrew. Yes, we do. Okay. <coughs> For those that are sort of wondering where we're at, uh, why have we stopped? Why is the back not painted? Why is a number of things undone? Um, late last year, we kind of ran out of money. Um, and there's been a few processes in place since then to uh, try and get things back on track and make stuff happen because I think you all agree we do need to get this project finished. Um, Late last year, we were about $120,000 short of finishing the project. Um, as time's gone by, a few more generous donations have come in, and we're currently at a situation where we need about $81,000 to finish the project as it's planned. Um, in recent weeks, perhaps a couple of months now, uh, Steve's been doing a little bit of work with the uh, Brethren Trust. Um, the long weekend when state youth games were on, uh, one of their representatives, uh, Dave Owens, came up and had a look around at what we're doing. Um, since then, uh, I've done a little bit of lobbying of another one of the uh, trustees. And uh, the good news is that we have uh, some further finances available and we also have a challenge uh, which we'll put out now. Um, received, uh, yeah, the, the trust met on Monday night and um, following that, They've sent an email through uh, saying that uh, we have another $25,000 available immediately and of the remaining 56 that we need to finish the project, um, if we can raise half of that, $28,000, they will match that dollar for dollar. So our challenge now is to raise $28,000 and uh, let's get this project finished. So uh, some, some good news that we've got something to go on with and uh, if we can line up some tradies and various other volunteers, um, yeah, we have a little bit more money to go towards it. So I think that's great. <laughs> 81 becomes 28. Um, we like that. And praise God for the trust. They're really excited, actually, because... Um, uh, when they looked around here, they didn't know. They didn't know we had this many of us gathered here. They didn't know we had these facilities. They didn't uh, understand what we were trying to do with uh, this whole vision of people who don't know Jesus being in, our, in this place uh, all through the week, 24-7. And, um, and they were, it was, yeah, it was more, about more than money for them. It's about um, extending the kingdom and that we're excited to have them involved in that. Okay. The other exciting thing to let you know um, is that uh, I'm on holidays, we're on holidays after this, so we're not here for two weeks, Leanne's off for these two weeks too, uh, Adam is back middle week of, middle weekend of the holidays, but I'm planning to have a rest over the next two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, and I think we should too actually as a church just rest. It's, we've been, it's been fairly tumultuous, you know, it's been not easy and it's good for us to just breathe and, um, and enjoy our family and each other and the God that we serve and so I'm not planning to have any kind of 
uh, you know, mountaintop experiences, I'm just planning to have a rest. And I would recommend that for us uh, as well, if you can. All right. Uh, the other really exciting thing to let you know is that Dave Knight is back with us. Yeah, there he is. Um, after having his uh, abdomen cut open in another country. <laughs> um, now, it's great to have you back, Dave. And, um, and Dave's appreciative, he said, on the way in. He said, make sure people know I'm so appreciative of the prayers of the people here. How you could feel that. And he's grateful. And we're grateful that he's back with us. All right. Uh, we're in this series, holiday series, three lessons from the life of Moses. We're in Exodus chapter 3 today. Um, and I should warn our guys at the back that there's um, some audio behind this PowerPoint. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you can't. Um, that's right. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about what happens when God calls us. Now, when we say God calls us, some of us don't know what that means. Um, uh, as in some of us go, I don't know, I've never had God call me like that. When I say when God calls us, I mean, I'm not just talking about the call to mission, like God says, you know, I want you to leave your work and, and go and, and be a pastor, or leave your work and go and be a missionary. I'm talking about when God says, I've got something that I want you to do that's not characteristic for you and, and, and feels impossible for you. Sometimes it can be something that God whispers into our soul about a people group that we should be invested in or about our next-door neighbors or about a ministry that he wants us to do. And sometimes it's something that kind of happens to us the other way when we, something comes into our life and it's our responsibility all of a sudden and we weren't ready for it and we don't feel prepared for it. Like when you have a baby, that's a call, right? And you're holding this baby in your hands. Or, or when you find out your child has special needs, that's a, that's a, that's a special call. What do we do when God calls us to do things that are too hard for us or beyond us? Well, this is Moses' experience, and I want to go through it in 15 minutes uh, this morning. So, uh, we know, um, by backdrop, God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. Everything that God wants to happen is good for us. So, God's got this plan for us and for this church and for this state and for this country and for this nation and for this world and so God can see all of that and his plan is good and so he's going to do things that only God can do and he's going to do them through you and I and so when God says I want you to do this it's good okay that's the the backdrop for us here and in Exodus 3 God's plan is to deliver his people from slavery Exodus chapter 1 and 2 take about 300 years not to read, but they cover the span of about 300 years. Um, from time Joseph goes down into Egypt, he brings his brothers to Egypt, uh, remember in um, Genesis, and the people of Israel have multiplied in Egypt and they have become um, so successful and large in population in Egypt that the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, starts to freak out about how influential they are, so he doesn't want to lose them and he doesn't want them to rise up against him, so he makes them a slave nation. So Israel is now a slave nation in um, the country of Egypt, in the nation of Egypt. Um, And their suffering is increasing. Uh, In fact, it's so bad, um, the the Pharaoh is so worried because even though he's pounding on them, they still keep producing lots and lots of kids and they're uh, they're becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And so Pharaoh's answer to that is, I want every male child killed. 
It's pretty brutal. So he says to the midwives who are delivering the babies, if it's a male, kill it. Um, and the midwives come back to Pharaoh. You know, they collude and they go, we're not going to do that. So they come back to Pharaoh and they say, you can read this in Exodus 1 too. And they go, we can't get to the male children in time. The Israelite women, the, the, they're, they're so vigorous that they have the babies and they hide them before we can even get there. That's their story. So then Pharaoh just says to his whole population, everyone in the country, if you see a Hebrew male child, throw it in the river. Okay, so this is the scenario in Egypt. This is the suffering of the people in Egypt. And we also, um, and we also learned that Moses was one of those male children. He's born. Um, and the whole population is going to be against him. And so his mum does this enterprising thing. She makes a waterproof basket and, um, and she puts it in the river and she parks it in the reeds where the Pharaoh's daughter comes to um, bathe. And so the attendants of the Pharaoh's daughter see this baby. She says to the Pharaoh's daughter, that must be one of the Hebrew children. She has pity that way. The sister of the baby, the older sister, is waiting. She runs up to the Pharaoh's um, daughter and says, would you like me to find someone to nurse him for you? Yes, please. So then she goes and gets the mum of the baby and the mum comes back and, raises, and nurses her baby in Pharaoh's house. It's an amazing story. And then Moses grows up and when, the times, when, she, when he's weaned, he ends up, he gets uh, raised in, uh, in royalty that way. Um, probably a little distant from Pharaoh in the mix. Some, some of the movies we see have him like highly relationally connected, but probably not. Um, but, he, but he's still, he's raised in the palace life and Egyptian, but he knows he's a Hebrew. And then, and then one day, he goes out to see his people. He watches a, a slave handler um, beating a, a Hebrew, and he takes it on himself to do something about that. Looks around, no one's there. He kills the slave handler, and then finds out that he's been caught out, and Pharaoh is going to try and kill him, it says. And so he, he flees. So that first 40 years of his life are in the palace. The next 40 years of his life are in the desert because he goes to, and that's a whole um, good story too about how he meets um, his wife and all that stuff. In the, so anyway, he's a shepherd at this point in the story in Exodus 3 in the desert. That's the background. And God wants to deliver his people from this um, oppression that they're in. So this is how it works. Moses is wandering through uh, the desert and he sees a burning bush. So it starts with God. Lovely, thank you. Uh, So he says, he's curious. He says this bush is burning. Um, and it's, but it's not, it's not being consumed. It's just fire in the bush. I'm, I'm drawn to this. I don't, I, I don't know what this is. I want to go and have a look. This is what God does to us too. Calls us. So we don't really know yet what he's going to ask us to do, but we're intrigued by God, aren't we? So he calls us. God takes the initiative. He draws us to him. And he calls us by name. Moses. He says, Moses. And Moses starts with this. I'm here. I'm here. And then God says these words. Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. What is the point here? God's saying, God's saying, I've named you, but now I'm going to introduce myself. I am God. Like, this isn't just some bloke that you're meeting in the street. 
I am God. So you need some reverence in this place when I call you, because I am God. I am holy. And Moses covers his face because he's afraid to look at God. And then God says, you can read this in verse uh, 7 to 10, I've seen the suffering of my people in Israel. Their cries have reached me. I want to I deliver them and I'm going to send you. That is, there's a big need. There's a big need. I'm going to act. And I'm going to act by sending you. And then Moses says in verse 11, Me? Who am I to do that? Like, what have I got that I could do that? Do you know who you're talking to? Like, God, really me? Do you know me? Like, and God's answer to that question is this. I will be with you. So who am I to do that? I will be with you. And Moses says, they won't believe me. I can't just waltz up to them and tell them that the God of their ancestors sent me. Who do I, who do I say you are? And then God goes into this, like, just list of promises. He says this, tell them that I sent you. Tell them, I am who I am. That is, I am God. I am God who was before. I am God who will be after. I am, I am God. Tell them that. I am who I am, the God of always. He gives himself a name for the people of Israel forever, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, tell them I've seen their suffering. Tell them I'm going to rescue them from slavery and deliver them into a spacious and fertile land. And tell them that the king of Egypt won't like it. He'll try and stop me, but I'll do amazing miracles that'll force him to. And in the end, I'll lead them out of slavery. They'll be carrying the wealth of Egypt with them. And don't worry, the elders of the people will accept your message, God says. And Moses says, but what if they don't? What if they say, no, the Lord never appeared to you? God, so patient, says to Moses, what's in your hand? What's that in your hand? Moses goes, this is only some old shepherd's staff. And God says, I'll use that to reveal myself. He says, throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. It turns into a snake. Whoa. Now God says, pick it up again. So he grabs it by the tail. That's wise. And, um, and it becomes a staff again. Now God says, put your hand inside your cloak. So he does. And pull it out. Ah, it's all leprous and disease. Now put it back in. Now take it out. Now it's healed. God says, they're the signs you can use to say, yes, God has spoken to me. And this is the thing I have. Uh, and if that doesn't work, God says, just go down to the Nile, get some water, um, like get it in a cup or something, pour it on the ground and I'll turn it into blood. And, and then that will, that's the further thing. You've got three kind of evidences that I've spoken to you. Uh, and don't worry, they will accept um, what you say. So Moses goes, oh, okay, but I can't speak. I never could. And by the way, God, he said, I love this. I've never been able to speak. I can't now. And since you've been talking to me, it hasn't improved. Just so you know. (laughs) Then God, uh, God says, Moses, I made your mouth. I decide who speaks and who doesn't, who hears and who doesn't, who sees and who doesn't. Now go again. I will be with you when you speak and I'll tell you what to say. And then Moses, running out of excuses, just says, Oh Lord, please send someone else. Is there anyone else? 
And then it says, God got a little bit angry with Moses. <laughs> he said, all right, I'll send your brother. He can go with you. I'll talk to you. You talk to him. You talk to them. No, I'll talk to you. You talk to him. He can talk to the people in Pharaoh. Now take your staff, use it the way I told you, and go. And so Moses, Moses went. We're all called. You glad that's finished? <laughs> We're all called. Everyone who follows Jesus is called to live a life worthy of our calling. That means trusting in what God can do, not just what we think uh, we can control. And God is moving powerfully in our lives, all of us, towards things that are God-sized and not our size, towards things that God's, God can do and we can't do towards um, outcomes that God are going to bring glory to God and, and not to us. It's beautiful when God's people hear His call and obey. And we all know stories of this, people who are, are chaplains and, and missionaries. Um, and we've followed stories like John Lambert's, you know, with his Beyond Subsistence lifestyle, really, uh, in Africa. And we love those things um, as well. Um, Barry Kachi and his uh, attachment to the guys in the Philippines and um, Sharon Kachi and what God's doing through her and Mark and uh, the work over at Hohidi uh, as well um, but also I know the call for people who have been brave in leading ministry here who haven't done that before um, you talk to Warren Platt about his role across the Labertush team the call of God on um, people's lives and guys that work at Gideon's and um, Dave Knight and his work that way uh, too uh, and people who are called to their workplaces people I know I've I heard some of the stories of people who just feel like God is telling them in your workplace I want you to be this to the people um, around you and at home too I mentioned before kids with special needs just I want to speak to a few parents who understand that call of God on our lives. Lots of things in our lives are God-sized. They're beyond us. They're impossible for us. Um, sometimes we hunger for the call of God. I heard people say, oh, God never called me. Like, it'd be nice if God called me. I go, <laughs> Really? I mean, it is. It's great, right? But it's, it's hard. And it's going to confront all of our securities and our fears and our comforts that way. Let me just go over the human responses that Moses demonstrates for us when God calls us. Because these are in our hearts too. Here they are. Right, go back one. Um. We start with, uh, no, it's not working. That's all right, I'll tell you. Here's what Moses does. He says, I'm here, God. We do that too. All right, you know, bring it on. Bless me. Call me. And then he goes, I am God. We go, ooh. And then we say, me, I can't do that. It won't work. And God says, I'll do it. We say, yeah, but what if it doesn't work? But I'll be with you. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? You ever said that to God? And then this, 
what's in your hand thing? What's in your hand? What do you have at your disposal? What, what, what strengths do you have? What finances do you have? What capacities do you have? What abilities do you have? Because what's in my hand? You just think, oh, just this old, ordinary, powerless thing. And then we say, yeah, but I can't do it. I can't do that. I never could. I can't now. I won't ever. And by the way, it's not getting easier even in this conversation, God. And then this one, isn't there anyone else who can do it? Like how common are these, these responses of our heart to when God calls us to the impossible, when God calls us to the difficult, when God calls us to the more, the, the God-sized things that are not... Uh, that we're not able to do, but listen to God's responses, even in the face of all that objection. Now, there's, there's a reason that two chapters of Exodus describe 300 years, and then another two chapters describe 10 minutes of conversation, because in this, in this interaction with God, the fate of nations and the world was decided. In this call, in terms, of the way, in terms of the way God is going to um, relate to humanity and, and the way God, the people of God are going to be a light to the rest of the world right through history, this 10 minutes is critical because God is speaking to somebody. There are pivotal moments in our lives when God calls us. And even in the face of all of these objections, oh, I can't, I can't, no, someone else, not me. God says these things, I am God. There's a big need. I'm going to act by sending you. I will be with you. I will do amazing things. And whatever's in your hand, I will, I will use that to reveal myself to people. And don't worry, I made all mouths and ears and eyes. I decide who speaks and hears and sees. I will be with you. Just use what is in your hand like I show you and I will bring help when you need it. And as we will discover over the next two Sundays, Moses went to Egypt. God did all that he promised through Moses and Moses grew to trust the call of God more and more. So what has God called you to do? Or what's he trying to call you to do but you're not even listening Or what did he call you to do back then, but you feel like it's finished now? Moses is 80 years old <laughs> in this place. What has God called you to do? God's moving through us, his people. Let's move where he says. Let's move in faith towards the impossible that he leads us to. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your spirit this morning. And I pray that you give us courage and faith to obey when you call. In Jesus' name, amen.